Welcome to the Science Podcast with me, Mr. Short, Mr. Atkinson. Morning, folks. Mr. Forsyth. Morning. And Mr. Young. Morning. <laughs> and it's a feeling it's Navy, folks. That's as enthusiastic as you're getting. Now, today we're uh, looking at science and how it links into policy and government and uh, the use of science I guess in some ways in a very practical sense uh, rather than academic sense I suppose. And it starts from, I was reading about this guy Dr. Raghib Ali and he's a, he was an A&E doctor okay. and he was starting, um, starting a, an initiative to screen people's blood so he's going to take samples of blood, and it's interesting that he was uh, setting himself up in car parks in Lidl. So not Waitrose, no Waitrose car parks. Nobody wants their blood. They get somebody else to give them their blood, they order somebody else's blood in. His words, not mine, or the article's words, not mine, but they they were looking at the type of people that went to Lidl rather than the the stereotypical people that went to Waitrose. So the idea was he would do proteomic, genomic, and metabolomic screening. Take the blood. So looking for the proteins, looking at the genome, looking at the metabolism. To screen, the idea was they're looking to catch disease early. Oh, no, that's, that's what I figured this was going. So now we're looking to see population groups, whether they're predisposed to certain illnesses yeah. or ailments or genetic abnormalities. And this came from uh, the initiative that in Davos, uh, the meeting of all the, the big... Well, the, the economic superpowers, if you like, um, where some of the talks are now on the economy of a super aging society. So, that, as that's what I am, super age. What can you super shit? Yeah. With a combined age of, well, uh, well, we were 160 or something, 170 in the room. That's only because we've been like four 12 of us. years old. <laughs> As an average of 40, about, roughly. Oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Shot is fired. <laughs> I'll take so, it, to be honest, 40. We're, we're getting older. It's beneficial to some and detrimental to others. So. <laughs> yeah, we benefit from this. Um, and I can stand on one leg for half a minute. Um, um, like a flamingo. It's, it's going to be more like, uh, not as pink, living more likely that people are living to 100 and uh, between up to 2050, the world's population over 60 will double to about 22%. So we've got an ageing population, so this guy's trying to catch disease early. And there's a bit of a conundrum there. There's a bit, you think that's obvious, that's brilliant. And th- this is the, the weird kind of thing. Sometimes we trust science implicitly. Uh-huh. Get screened when young, perfect. Science catches disease. As if it's like clockwork or mechanics. But it's not quite like that. There is a risk, because when you screen too early, you might have a false positive. Yeah, and you, you told somebody they've got, for example... Prostate screening isn't, I think, regular on the NHS no. um, because of its, it can give false positives and you don't want to tell someone they've got prostate cancer they when don't. they don't. Yeah. Whereas breast screening is um, put into the NHS and is done and is seen as worthwhile but is still debated. And obviously some of us in the room have, have had the opportunity of pooing on a stick. <laughs> <laughs> some of us were even asked to. <laughs> Those of us above the average age of the room, you get to um, send a um, 
poo sample. You do still, not poo in a bag. Still, just thank you. That out there. Still, a stool sample. A stool sample. <laughs> and that gets <laughs> that gets screened for for bowel cancer, which is seen as worthwhile as well. So the, the topic today is how the government decides to, policy. But just to jump from that as well, obviously part of the that. The, the overall um, idea behind that, that particular uh, study is laudable, there's, there's good logic behind it and the rest of it. And I guess the other underpinning piece to it is the challenge on what you might do with some of that information, yeah. where that might end up going, and also... Um, that's probably more with the private health care, isn't it? You think, well, once you've given your sample, you've signed it away, maybe with the National Health Service is a bit more secure, but well, you wonder because I mean, there's there's been so much a challenge on. Like, um, I remember this one raised like several times about um, taking blood samples because uh, you take because obviously when you're born you, you have your blood test, yeah. you have your your blood, so your 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 blood group is associated with you as a baby from there on in. Uh, but we don't retain that information. We we could maybe we could test for other things. Maybe we could have maybe taken like a genetic fingerprint at that kind of point and we but we don't because we're worried about where that information might end up being stored or retained yeah. or what we might end up doing with it. I guess there might be the bit of the issue with blood samples, etc. doing the same sort of thing. Information about you. Sell it to insurance companies, etc. Yeah. So Who ends up with the information? Who ends up with it? Control So uh, I suppose the point here little deviation with this is whether it's uh, personalised or whether it's anonymised so if you've just got a load of blood samples is that acceptable to sell to people or is it, you know, if it was named that would be quite... But is it? Because that information that's, you're giving up all that information with your iPhone content, with yeah. every click that you put on an advert that you like that all that information is collated that's that, you're accepting cookies uh, you're yeah. accepting your information that's tailoring all those adverts you accept all the cookies you work for well then, to be honest, I'm, I'm not against that but I, I don't like the idea when I click on it, I don't get yeah, okay. Oh, I reject them all so yes that's a nice little link, actually. That's worked quite well in that the discussion part of what happens to things is part of the next bit. So in 1985, or prior to 1985, somebody went to America and saw how their government operated and brought the information back to the UK and started fundraising amongst MPs to set up the Parliamentary Office of Science and Technology, which is post. Oh, Parliamentary right, Office okay, sorry, <laughs> so this is this this grew and it was science based because the scientific literacy is really, really important in terms of being able to enter into a debate on science. And obviously we can highlight our ignorance by chatting about it and broadcasting <laughs> it to the world. Um, but that part of it is that most of science starts with a debate and a chat. And the Parliamentary Office for Science and Technology, POST, is there to help with the development in technology research and public policy and legislation. So it's there for MPs to look at something. This is Westminster, and I don't think it's in the Scottish Parliament. I've not found anything in the Scottish Parliament yet. Um, and what happens is that you get research fellows from universities, PhD yeah. students on three-month placements, and they either have horizon scanning, which is when you look at the literature, the uh -huh. scientific literature or literature out there, um, or you have a briefing, which is a short piece of information about something, or you have a fully designed post note. Now, a fully designed post note is about, I think, four pages in length. It's a review. Uh -huh. It's re Sorry, it's reviewed internally and externally. 
and it has people from India. India? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just India. Just India. Yeah. Full name. Industry. From industry and academia, <laughs> any interesting parties that want to contribute. So you see in these post notes that some of them have like uh, 30 contributors to them. Right. And they have references to back it up. This goes amongst the MPs. The MPs can read it and see what the evidence is before they enter into a debate about it and what they decide on policy. So they're selecting from those, or do they select the the ones with the most interest from the public, or is it just to well, scan through to see whatever? It depends on the debating. If you've got an, an idea for a post note, you can actually email in. Yeah. So if you think there's not enough information on that, you can email in and people will research it. So the average Joe can do this. And they can. Yeah. yeah, there's a, uh, an email, post at parliament.uk, you can write in your ideas. Uh, and they'll produce a post note. If you go to the website, the Westminster website, you can find post notes and you can see what's been researched. So we'll have a look at some of these because some of these do overlap <coughs> with what we've talked about. And uh, we'll start with what we were talking about last week in some ways, which is energy and batteries and things. Yeah. And there's one on um, low carbon, longer duration energy storage. Yeah, I saw that one actually, yeah. Well, that's cool. Is this like, is this like batteries? Like batteries. It's, it's so almost like, oh, if only we hadn't decided to throw up. Nuclear energy in the UK. It's got acronym LDES. Um, it's got a minor role just now. It does link into what Mr. Axton was saying quite a while ago about the energy we have in the UK is not enough. So if if we had to convert completely, was it to cars, electric cars, was oh, not so enough energy to power all the cars? Electricity. So the, uh, the moment the UK generates only five percent more energy than it uses electrically. So if every car on the road just now was electric, fully electric rather than fossil fueled, yeah. would we have enough energy to power them all? So this would come into that because we do have gas storage, we do have fossil fuel storage, the great big uh, gas canisters we have filled with gas. In case we run out of supply, there is something behind there that we can use, something yeah. in storage. There used to be two huge ones of them just in the way into Glasgow, but they've shut down now yeah. and they're gone. So these are, this policy will change from the future from gas storage, fossil fuel storage, into electrical storage. So decarbonising our energy storage. And this part of the post note was, um, obviously in terms of low wind or when it's dark, we can't generate electricity from wind turbines yeah. or solar cells, so we need to save it. Uh, part of it was pumped hydro, so hydroelectric, when you pump the water up and you store it, that's your battery if you like. Liquid air, compressed air, um, and th this was quite good because I was reading through it and I was looking. There were about thirty contributors here, and what what jumped out? Uh, is, I think you go down a little rabbit hole here. Yeah, but careful. There's <laughs> Michael Simpson and from Cheesecake Energy. Now we're talking. <laughs> I'm all over that. <laughs> Now, I did think, what on earth is cheesecake? Like, how my car was that? <laughs> Make a load of cheesecake, shove them in the freezer. <laughs> Wait, what? No, Wait. Cheesecake Energy is a, a genuine firm in Nottingham. Uh, they claim to have the world's greatest battery called an e-tanker. Um, and I, get, I don't know if it, <laughs> it was interesting to read so uh, they're looking for a slice of the energy pie if you like and maybe cheesecake is high in energy and that's where it comes from but there's lots of fascinating stuff in the uh, post notes and there is a link in this in that we do need to be more scientifically literate well indeed another bit in the times was that we don't invest in future technologies enough or we don't capitalise on that enough 
which is an economic thing in the future. We're far too slow to invest in future industries, green industries, the life sciences or manufacturing, digital tech. We need perhaps more investment in that. And we need to know why we're investing in it. I guess part of the underpinning piece to this is, is about, you know, information is power. So it's, it's about yeah. educating yourself with information rather than just following whatever you're told or accepting whatever you're informed with or going, actually, I'm not interested in this, but this interests me instead. I, I guess it's, it's tied Also, we're up. an island, so, yeah. you know, we've got limited resources. Limited. We do have to import stuff, so yeah. it's pretty important that we have a look to the future and how <coughs> to do things. Um, I'm just looking at one here just now that's, um, it's actually, it's, Without having seen these before, uh, it's interesting to see how broad uh, they, end, they end up being. That I saw one of the earlier ones, which is the obvious ones, because you're the ones you've heard about, things like um, global warming, etc., and um, invasive uh, species into particular new areas. So you've probably seen new creatures that are suddenly ended up being in the UK that hadn't been there before. It's time, some of the studies have indicated that it's, it's because of the changing climate or that you've got uh, species that are migrating or moving because of um, the food, uh, the, the food web, the food species that they'd normally end up going, they're, they're kind of following their food sources they've got. But looking at one here just now, just kind of jumped out of me. It's, uh, I guess it kind of ties into where we are in terms of society now. Just now, it's the palliative and end of care, life Ooh, care. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's obviously very emotive uh, that's there, and it's it's tied into the fact that we've got an increased demand uh, on care because people are living longer, and therefore they are experiencing several multiple long-term conditions that are associated with it. And this study is indicating that they reckon there's 100,000 people in the UK that could benefit from palliative care, from care to make them more comfortable or allow them to... To explain what palliative care is? So you're actually, you are being given uh, support either um, to make you more comfortable with this, that they're provided either medically or in terms of the... the so it's recognising that somebody won't recover. Yeah, there's indeed. No, there's no there's cure no for cure. whatever they're going to have, yeah. so you're going to make uh, whatever time they have left as comfortable for them as possible. Yeah. It doesn't and necessarily it, mean that the treatment will kill the individual. No, no, no. It just no. means that... that you're trying to... You, maximise maximize quality of life. Optimise, yeah, the, the, the situation that you're, that you're in just now. And I guess it, it's, it's particularly emotive just now because that right now, that's, that's the, the situation we're in right now. And yet we look at our National Health Service, we look at the strikes, etc. And we look at the fact that we've got... Uh, we obviously recognise that, that that sort of care is incredibly important and incredibly useful and that we're obviously um, not getting enough of it right now and yet we're still not in a position in this society to provide that. Well, that's, that's a good, yeah, that's a good point to make because the post notes, whilst it's science and technology, it did move on. And I can't remember, uh, 2013, um, so it was obviously operating for quite a few years before they included the social sciences. So that doesn't come directly under science. It recognises the ageing population bit, we're recognising that, but the, it comes under, yeah, more social science than direct, you know, battery storage, clean air, that kind Indeed. of thing. So I guess that's the thing, that it's not just about the science, we tend to think about being very specific things, yeah. but and it's one of the things we highlight within schools. And I, while I will make particular comments about other sciences, you know, if I, 
if it's living, then it's biology. If for one thing, it's physics. If for one it's chemistry. But all of the sciences interlink with with one another. None of them start. Well, a lot of it is the, the basic skill of, of data analysis yeah. and prediction. Yeah. yeah, and we, you know, the prediction becomes more really the less data you have, or the less, or the further ahead you're looking. Which is, you know, going back to the earlier bit about screening, is getting it right. Um, we've got other ones, um, we'll stick with the science one, um, <coughs> urban outdoor air quality as well. I mean, that's a science one linked to health, isn't it? I wonder if that's got anything to do with, I wonder if we'll hear about bicycles. In <laughs> Give it a second. <laughs> Clang, that's this thing. It's podcast bingo. Well, uh, if he mentions that four letter word though, he says he's going to give me £500, so you better not mention it. <laughs> I'm not sure what you mean, but 2013. Now, I'm not going to pronounce this right, unfortunately, but oh, 2013, God. Ella Adu Kisi Debra. Um, unfortunately, she was the first person to, to die, and her cause of death was linked as air pollution. Oh, wow. Jeez. So the first person ever to be her death was directly linked and put down as air pollution. I suppose you think, now, if, if you think about air pollution, you, you probably think, I, I always remember watching, and I don't know if you guys do, the 2008 Beijing Olympics. And they would be talking oh, about yeah. what would oh, be going man. on during the day. And you look at the back, and it was the city of Beijing. It was covered in smog. Yeah. And all the um, like the, the supporters, <coughs> the people that were attending yeah, the events, even just the general public, were all wearing masks. Now, obviously, we yeah. all went through COVID. We all know what wearing masks and how uncomfortable sometimes wearing masks are, but how important they were. They've been doing that for 20 years because the men of air pollution that's inside yeah. these countries. Yeah. Athens has odd days. I think they have, uh, well, the, well, I remember reading ages ago, they have even plated cars, even number plated cars are on one day and then the odd number plates cars on the other day for to reduce some. San Francisco's like that as well. Yeah. Can you see the bridge? In I was going to say, I can't remember who it was, but I was listening to a podcast and there was a guest on and that's what they were talking about. And he threw a statistic, something like 10 million children and I think the youth in the US alone or North America who breathe in what they are calling poor quality air because of air pollution. So this was a post note. Um, what are the risks then? What do they list as the risks of air pollution? Because obviously not everyone's going to die from respiratory issues. Why do you get asthma though from air pollution? What's the causes do you think? I would imagine the particulate matter is causing. Yeah, we can actually measure particulates in the atmosphere, and it won't just be from the emission from the exhaust, it'll be from car tyres as well, uh, and other things. So, PM10 to 2.5 is listed. Uh, obviously, nitrogen dioxide and ozone as well comes off. But any other, apart from asthma or your respiratory issues, there's a load of other limits. Did I say we? Uh, is there anything to do with icing? Yeah. Yes, I think the lens, um, your cornea, oh, I think, might be affected. But other ones I thought were just, I never really associated with it. Diabetes, infertility, infertility, yeah. Infertility. Cognition. I mean, that's just really? the links. Wow. It's quite mad as well because you think about it. I think that's always in the news is the industry and factories and all that are leaving the UK to go to other places because yeah. the labour's cheaper, the the resources are cheaper. Yet the pollution is increasing. Yeah. And what well, everything we always talk about pollution. I don't know if you get that, but you see pollution. You think big chimneys, big factories yeah. pumping out. Yeah. But it's not that anymore. It's it's the smaller combustion engines and their yeah. cars, and lorries, and all that. That I mean, you know, you know yourself here. Yeah. If you watch, any, if there's any issue or any comment about um, 
you know, global warming or uh, industries or industries effect upon society, what they'll do is they'll scan past pictures uh, over uh, green yeah, over the Ineos plant. But what they'll focus on is what I smoke. Uh, is Steve <laughs> all pouring out in the sky and, and it looks very emotive, it looks, it looks like Dante's in, uh, Inferno uh, at night time when you've got that. Except <laughs> what you're actually looking at is, is, is a cooling tower pumping out steam, it's, it's a kettle, it's a kettle, that, you're focusing on the wrong thing guys, there you are, but it looks great in terms of the yeah. image that you've got and it certainly is emotive enough. <laughs> From that, which I guess these posted, and also perhaps posted. not really linked because we're talking about more about inner cities, aren't we? There's not so yeah. much moving air and stationary yeah. traffic, perhaps, rather than the big cities, maybe. But there's quite it's linked. This this is what the data says: um, twenty nine to forty three thousand UK deaths a year from air pollution. Uh, a cost. Yearly cost. Oh, <laughs> much. And this does link to the NHS and to families directly, yeah, no, yeah. personal to families. Know. Billion. Billion. 1.6 billion pounds a year. How many bikes could you buy? With <laughs> <laughs> How many cyclists could you not have? I'm going to send you my send you my bank details. <laughs> that's, on, that's on a podcast. You can't deny um, that. Also, it does like th something we don't think about is people are suing the government for this. They're taking the government to court. So we're essentially. But we're stakeholders, yeah. we? So as a democracy, we vote the government in, yeah. and then obviously not everybody votes for that government or those policies. So it's a, it's a little circular there. You can say, well, actually, oh. I don't believe in those policies. I'm suing you. I think they're wrong. You've made the wrong now, decision. Now you're going down the rabbit hole of what true democracy is, that even though you don't vote something, because you've taken part in the procedure, then you should... Yeah, oh, you're allowed to challenge things. That's yeah. part of it. That's the beauty but of it. But it's such an Americanized thing to go. I'm going to sue you, right? Rather than some of the well, discussion. Well, if, if it's wrong, if it's genuinely wrong, and we've got these, uh, these post notes, and we've got the data there, uh, you know, you've got to look at why somebody is, is doing something. So, yeah. what what can we do about the fact? What what suggested you think about? Uh, this air pollution because guys just sit here and say it's really bad. They're going to stay they're, they're not planning in Glasgow to do an emissions charge. Emission charge, yeah. So if you're emitting too much from your car, then you're not allowed in the city centre, oh, I guess, money or pay money. Which seems odd that you need to pay money because it's not going to get near 1.6 billion or help out the person who's walking down the street. We've already talked about the emissions that come from making electric cars. So would that be offset for the people, more people? Again, have? that's not in the centre of town. That's in a that's elsewhere. So I know, but if, but if you if you have an electric guitar, electric guitar, <laughs> <laughs> if you have an electric Parents car in, in the cities, they're not pumping out. That's right. So um, well, but would that? But we're looking at the air the air quality of yeah, general air quality from these factories. Yeah, specifically, we're looking at. Uh, issues with people breathing in smoke in city centre in a close area, rather than factory out of town somewhere, yeah. which is general air pollution. Densely populated, lots of people. Yes, yeah, so we're looking at people breathing that stuff in, whereas something outside maybe is more diffuse, less concentrated, less of a danger. I suppose the problem is that with increasing population, more and more people are going to be living on top. Yeah. So of what do we do about it? That's the point. You're going to have to pedestrianise in the cities. Yeah, that, that's kind of where we're going. We've got low traffic neighbourhoods <coughs> and clean air zones. So clean air zones would be that I guess the George Square is not an emission zone. Then you're not. You're not it's, it's I think some, some of that's pedestrianised. Some of that's pedestrianised. Trying to decrease the amount of. And then we think, well, actually, there's a lot of reaction to this. People want to drive their cars, and why should they be stopped? And uh, if you do look to Holland as an example, 
They had a massive reaction in the 70s and 80s against pedestrianising and low traffic neighbourhoods. There was fights, people tearing down barricades before, which is what we're seeing here, before we actually got to people cycling and taking public transport. I go to when I go to a city centre, if I go to Edinburgh or go to Glasgow, I don't want to take the car. No. I would take the car anywhere near those places. I use the car every day around here, but I would be on the side of pedestrianising. I never thought I would say that, but I would be on the side of pedestrianising. And perhaps going to policy, I mean, if I read that, I think, yes, I agree with it. I'm totally on side with a lot of these things, but imagine if you're not and you're more of a car driver, you probably use these documents as, this is what I've got to attack and change and debate against, which is part of the debating process. But that's the process, being violent. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? It's about... Looking, it's, there's no problem that we're challenging. There's no, there's never an issue with with challenging back and forth. But what you should do is you should base that challenge on fact. Mm. It shouldn't even be beyond the beyond the vitriol and beyond the the gut response of no, I didn't like that so or no, I didn't want it. It's what about trees? What about putting trees in in cities? Do you think that would help? Because again, you've got to discuss all options. And this is what term, post yeah. are about. Long term, yes, but you think in terms of when, how long would a tree get to? How long would you need a tree to grow before it would offset one car's significantly, worth. yeah, even mm. one car's worth of emissions? Because, no, trees take But out. I don't know, but is, do you think they would be good or bad? Because you're, so you're saying yes, but there might be a time implication, so you're saying yeah. yes. What do you think? Yeah, I'd say yes. Yes? No, but you're going to... I'm going to my best because I can see his face sort of here. But no. Uh, come on, yes, but I have seen, uh, like, in some of these, I've seen, like, new builds, etc., where they're actually... Yeah. The balconies, they're, they're putting, like, trailing... They're actually almost like a hedge yeah. around the outer surfaces that are there. They're doing it in China, etc. Yes. Doing it in some so of the on new buildings, builds. that might... Maybe the location is perhaps more important. The building itself, uh, but you're going you're gonna to offset this. Come on, then. Get it off your chest. It's <laughs> I would say in general they'd be good as well, but they're looking at it, some trees, depending on the location rather than anything else, would trap the pollutants. Right. Mm. And that way you've got more oh. concentrated, rather than the wind taking it away, you've got more barriers to air movement so that the pollutants are kept at one particular level. But we all think of trees as good as taking it away. And that's part of the post note, having an educated, well-balanced perhaps... Yeah overview of what you're talking about because I've seen this one about which is not, perhaps hopefully what the podcast is <laughs> it's not about facts it's not about using your it's not about letting your emotions yes that's right. yeah. but that's the thing I've seen this one I'm trying to remember where the, which country it was in where they're actually building the side of roadways they're building like um, tree-lined avenues yeah. uh, to obviously reduce them, but yeah. they're doing it twofold. They're actually also doing it because the tree-filled avenues are also got the cycle lane below it, so yeah. you get the oh, you get the shade, you get the cover for that for um, pedestrians and for the cyclists at that yeah. side of the road. Plus, they're obviously their the view is that they'll uh, absorb more of the carbon dioxide. I think they're doing it particularly stretches a road where cars end up having, that end up in the shock wave that cars end up yeah. in. I think they've done that on the way out to Kincardine Bridge, but they've used thorn bushes. 
It's a legend. Push a cyclist in it. However, that's how it. You quite see the thorns on the cycle path. It's just like, what? Somebody's just had a little. I kind of like that idea. We've got to make it so that it's starting to do impact air pollution, but I still don't like Alright, away, away from this bit. Another post note was on childhood obesity. Mm. So that's something looking towards the future in terms of childhood obesity. And like, um, would that be linked to diabetes? Did they talk about that? Yeah, it's um, one of the biggest challenges the country faces because uh, it links to physical and uh, mental health conditions. Uh, at the end of primary school, 2019-20, of children <coughs> aged 10 to 11 were classed as overweight, one in three. Um, it has be effects on behaviour. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, general tiredness as well. Yeah. Lethargy. Yeah, and uh, in terms of, you talk about it as a disease of deprivation. So you're twice as likely to be overweight if you are uh, in a, was it a low SIMD? Wow. It's the access, isn't it? It's <coughs> the access and the costs of yeah. certain foodstuffs. There are you can eat healthily, <coughs> relatively cheaply, but you can still get access to a full yeah. meal for cheaper. No, that's that's the that's yeah. the main problem. I counted thirty contributors to this one, so this went around all the literature. But there was thirty people, and that would include you'd take in all the stakeholders, like the people, the the food manufacturers, the processed meal manufacturers, nutritionists, nutritionists. Mr. Young, what did you have for breakfast this morning? <laughs> A coffee. <laughs> and? Ah, and another coffee. That's it. He's a teacher that's the coffee in his blood. I'm looking at one here just now that's um, quite timely in its own right again. It's uh, restoring agricultural soils. So again, this oh, is yeah. about stewarding for um, food management. You've got there obviously increased populations require more, uh, more foods. And to do that, you, you tend to end up growing those materials, and that places more of a burden on the soil. And soil can only you can only extract the, the nutrients from the soil into your food stuff for so long before you you actually you don't get that either the plants don't end up growing or you don't get the nutritional content. Did you look at how much fertilizer they use to try and keep up with the demand? Yeah, indeed, the it's the chase back and forth and you get into uh, genetic modifications and all that sort of stuff here. Uh, the note, this is summarizing, uh, it's trying to, <coughs> but it, it's, it's focused on England at this kind of point, this particular one, although it is right through, uh, and it's looking at uh, the state of the agricultural soil and indicators that they could use to um, incentivize uh, soil restoration. So this is, I know that down in England, uh, and I think that they are doing it in part of, uh, in sections of Scotland, etc., where they'll, uh, farmers will be given cash to rewild particular, to actually yeah. hand back sections of... And not grow anything, basically. Uh, yeah, leaving it there. And that's obviously to try and help the species, help the insect species, etc., bee populations from there on in. Uh, it's just, again, you made the comment there, that, uh, again, there's about 25 contributors yeah. to it, but then being there are some of those that are like um, boards, so you have you, no idea <coughs> people that and um, people coming from DEFRA, etc. Yeah. Okay, farmers on there as well. It's <laughs> big farmers in there as well, again, just uh, trying to tie in 
um, because they, they again have a vested interest yeah. in that particular. And not everything will come directly from research, some is anecdotal personal experience. <coughs> of course. Yeah. I'm just looking at, I've, I've got one up here that I was talking about just before we started, the performance inclusion in elite sports, and it's, it's just about, it's got nothing to do, kind of, it's, it's more social, there is obviously the, the biological aspect of it, that's why I was interested in that, but there's 135 <laughs> yeah. references, yeah. so this is like, like, these are not small little like one week jobs no, that these no, are massive thoroughly looked through. This is just this is just looking at like is well we all understand that testosterone is an established but is is established in sports performance. People have different levels of this of testosterone. is it fair to test people for their testosterone levels? Or and then they've got here that say it also highlights stakeholder perspectives on balancing fairness and inclusion as well. So they well, are shows, perhaps shows how complicated it is. It's not just like it, this is the answer. Aye. <laughs> There's a big debate in there about what's proper. And it's nice to see that they do both sides. So they say right, this is the biological. Yeah. Right. This is, and biolog biological says that everybody varies. Yeah. But due to mutations and whatnot, but yeah. also. You've got to be fair. You've got yeah. to be. You can't exclude someone for something they have no control over. So yeah. I can understand why these these are trying to facilitate debate and not just here's a piece of here's a piece of information. I'm going to stick to that. Yes. And and and, and it's interesting to see that there's a toxic uh, element to that debate. Yeah. Uh, and looking at the facts is probably is is the way forward, isn't it? Inevitably. So that doesn't uh, obviously we're we're in a situation right now, especially in Scotland, where um, the, the people of transgender are a kind of a, a, it's, it's a big debate on women's prisons, especially. Um, but from what I've read now, it is it's seven pages. I only managed to get through the first three. Yeah, that's, um, I did say earlier it's four pages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, maybe it's three pages. Uh, maybe references. yeah, three pages. Um, they they don't focus on that at all. Their 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 primary focus is actually um, using the experience of the South African athlete Castor Semenya, oh, yeah. who was uh, had an abnormally for a woman had an abnormally large level of testosterone, yeah. and she was pulled out of a race and said you need to test for testosterone because you're having unfair competitive advantage against other women in the race, and she had no control over it. And she yeah. wasn't allowed to compete unless she, she took. Chemicals and she's still different. in the process of chemically altering and balancing. And she's still, she was 18 years old when she was banned from computing. Yeah. Like, you, how can you tell an 18 year old who spent her entire childhood focusing on especially and then say because of something that you have no control over at birth? Well, I think when not even at birth at conception. Yeah, but when it becomes financial. That's when the, when the money comes in. And that's, it's not just, and that's it's not just you, sport for all at that stage. That's when it? you look at all the stakeholders, and that's yes. why it's important to have all the stakeholders in there. Yes, and just kind of on the, on this just now, you can see how um, how varied these these topics end up being in the rest of it, and it does it kind of makes me wonder. In the same kind of way that in America, the lobbying, which ones are kind of taken forward, which ones are, are driven forward, which ones are picked up, there are obviously every one of these particular topics that we've looked at just now are incredibly important. Which one do we chase? It becomes very, very difficult. You can see the difficulty in, in political parties, uh, in our democratic system about the choices we end up having to make or the things that we invest our time or our effort or our money into trying to resolve. Uh, and these are, these are people's 
views, people's studies, people's ideas that they've gone, this is important to me, this, this thing's important to me. And you go, and it does make me, does make me wonder how, how they'll progress forward, where the, the chase forward ends up being, which does somebody take their own private little one uh, that they go, I'm really, I really want this to go forward. And you'd see the challenge that you have within our own parliamentary system, where uh, a particular um, bill will be taken forward and it gets so far and either there's not time to progress it or there's not enough interest in it or it gets challenged and then kicked back from the House of Lords back into the um, House of Commons. It's, it's none of this ends up being straightforward for us, yeah, even so in our political system. Uh, obviously literacy, scientific, social and, uh, and leaders, leadership. So let's say, uh, I don't know if we'll have any ideas, but you can write in, suggest your own post notes. So anybody we, any, we, we recycle cyclists? <laughs> I think that would be like a circular system because we, we, we might get some use what, from them. What would we suggest, apart from powering, you know, putting cyclists in a room and powering up to the national grid? I'm up for that. <laughs> power my telly. Because there's a huge amount there, so I guess it's something you'd have to think of and then see if it was there already, but... Uh, I'd like to think about nuclear energy. So the use, the future of nu nuclear future energy. Of nuclear energy, fission. Have, fusion. A, have a quick Google and see if there's a fusion one there. Yeah, fission or fusion. Obviously, they have their risks, yeah. and that's the, yeah, the, and the main drawback yes. is obviously the safety aspect. If something goes wrong, yeah. you don't really have a small nuclear disaster. But in terms of the energy you get from them, yeah. you get instant. Well, it's pretty much instant energy. You get lots of it from a relatively low mass of fuel. <coughs> And in terms of energy demand... I think you yeah, feel a secondment coming on to the Parliament, <laughs> to the yeah. post-committee. I would want them to have a look at the... I'd continue to have a look at the effects of long Covid. Yeah, Covid is on there somewhere. There is something about Covid on there. Yeah, because that's going to be... Yeah, there's going to be so much, especially when we talked about palliative care earlier. I, I believe from my limited knowledge that I think there's going to be a lot more problems with long COVID in the future. Either that or vaping. That would be quite interesting to, because again, biologically, how does vaping affect respiratory system? Yeah, okay, we'll leave it there and uh, yeah, okay, post notes, quite interesting. What's the next I don't know, we'll find out. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yeah. Alright, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah.